0: All right. Turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John. Gospel of John. Are oh, we started the podcast, right? We're good? Yeah. All right. All right. Right, I'm going to flip through maybe a couple of verses to begin this sermon. And I will reveal the title of the sermon somewhere in the middle. All right. All right, let's go to... There's a bunch we can look at, but I'm going to just look at a couple. Look at John chapter six, verse thirty five. John chapter six, verse thirty five. Jesus said to them, I'm reading in the ESV, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I am the bread of life. Actually, Jesus, when he said this statement, he really uh, took this metaphor to the extreme. And he took it to such an extreme that in the middle of this passage, people start saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat, his physical flesh? How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And in Judaism, and Jewish culture, uh, eating certain animals was forbidden. Eating, uh, drinking the blood or eating meat with blood still in it was also forbidden. So cannibalism is the last thing that they want on their minds. And here Jesus, in his metaphor, taking it to so, such extremes, people start to think, what is he telling us to eat his flesh, Right? But this is one of Jesus' many, maybe not many, but several I am statements in the gospel of John. There are many I am statements that he makes. Uh, I'll name a few more. I am the light of the world. Thank, Thank you, Brady. In another place, he says, I am the good shepherd. When Martha comes up to Jesus because her brother Lazarus had died, Jesus said, don't you know, Martha, that I am the resurrection and the life. In another place, we know by the popular song, One Way, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And what we have to understand is this statement, I am, is a very powerful, potent statement. Because you have to understand the history of it. In one instance, in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, before Abraham, who is described in the book of Genesis, before Abraham, I am. And they're like, I am what? And Jesus is like, no, I just am. And do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that the Jews began to pick up stones to stone him. Why did the Jews have such a crazy response? A murderous response. Why? Because they knew the implications of the statement, I am. You see, in the Old Testament, the Jews never said the name of God. In Hebrew culture, you never say the word of God, uh, they say the name of God. So that when you study the Hebrew language, uh, oftentimes when you read passages, and you get to the name of God, you actually don't say it. Instead, you, you use the word Adonai, which means Lord, right? And so you come to this, uh, what's called the Tetragrammaton, right? Yah ha Some people say Yahweh. Some people say Yehovah. Koreans say Yowah, right? No one actually knows how to actually say it because the Jews never said it. They had a tradition of never saying it because it was a holy name. So whenever they got to that word, you automatically say Adonai. In fact, in your NIV and a lot of the modern translations of the English Bible, they actually have the word Lord in small caps. Have you ever noticed that in your Old Testament? L-O-R-D in small caps. Whenever you see that word Lord in small caps, that's actually translating the term Yahweh. Yehovah. Now, Yahweh means something in the Hebrew. This name came about because Moses, in his encounter with God, in this very intimate encounter with God, Moses says, What is your name? Who should I say sent me? Who should I say is delivering these Hebrews out of Egypt? Who should I say sent me? And God says, My name? You're asking for my name? Well let me give you my name. My name is Yaha, Waha," which in the Hebrew it literally means, "I am who I am." That's a powerful answer to what Moses had asked. What God is saying is, I am who I am. I am not becoming what I want to be. I, I, I I'm absolutely am. i never had a beginning, and I will never have an end. You want to describe me? There is no description. I just am. It is like the most gangster thing to say in all the world. If a hip-hop artist ever wanted the best hip-hop name, it would be just, I am. (laughs) Yo, let's go to the concert. I am is rapping. You know, it's just a powerful statement that God makes. Now, you have to understand that when we get to the gospel of John in the New Testament, Jesus is playing with this concept. I am. Hallelujah. That's why... He is saying, I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the truth and the way and the life. And if you didn't get the point, let me drill it home for you. Before Abraham, I am. Such a powerful implication. Such a powerful claim to deity that in the Jews' mind, There was no question about it. Jesus understood himself to not only be the son of God, but to be God himself. So you have to understand that all these uh, postmodern arguments for Jesus being a good teacher, good rabbi, good religious leader, these are all lies. Historically, it just does not fit for the reasons that drove the Jews to such hatred that they would want to crucify Christ. You see, if you really think about it, the law that God set up is the very law that judged Jesus. Because in the Old Testament, the law was given. If, if, you, if anyone blasphemes, he is to be stoned to death. That's God's law. That's God's idea. And Jesus comes into the earth. And gets judged by the very word and command that he himself had given. Jesus is the great I am. Everyone say that. Jesus, is the, Jesus is, the is the great I am. He is the great I am. Now, the Bible says for everyone who calls on the name of Jesus, he will be saved. For everyone who believes in his name, they become Children of God. Now, what I want to focus on today is the I am statement. Because it was powerful then and it continues to be powerful today. And I want you guys to tap into the power of the great I am. Now, a lot of Christians in a lot of churches. When they come to church, the only I am statement they make is, I am a sinner. <laughs> I am a failure. I am dirty. I, I, I am a sinner. Uh, did I say that already? <laughs> I am sinful. You know, and that's the, that's the same thing that replays over and over and over in a lot of Christians' heads. That's the only I am statement they focus on. Um, But I want to submit to you that the Bible tells us the old has gone, the new has come. I mean, do we believe that or not? So if the old has gone, the old has got to go. So I believe when God looks down on heaven, God looks down from heaven and looks upon your sins, your mistakes, your failures. God's not obsessively dwelling on that. Do you understand? Because to him, that part of you is dead. So he's like, why is, why is the dead part of you continuing to come to life? It's all right. I'm not even going to deal with that. I'm not even going to address that. Because that's not who you are. Put to death the misdeeds of the body. That part of you died when Christ died on the cross. When you receive his death and resurrection, we also are baptized into his death. When we get water baptized, we are baptized from death into life. Death to sin, life onto God. And so we need a new I am statement that we can meditate on. And so when we come into the house of God, I don't care what you've done. I don't care how badly you messed up. If you are a Christian, if you have put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior... I don't want you to dwell on I am a sinner over and over and over again. Um, Be aware of your mistakes. Be aware of your failures. Be aware of your sin. Don't ignore them. Deal with them. Confess them. But once you've confessed them, be done with them. Be hopeful. Be optimistic that the Spirit of God is living in you and that you are being transformed from glory to glory. But we we need a new I am. And that I am is I am righteous. I am pure. I am holy. I'm not a sinner. That's the old me. And that the remnants of the old me, I understand, come back up. But that's not who I am. My identity, my very identity has been transformed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm not a sinner. I'm a saint. Now, what do you read in Paul's letters? Paul, this man of great revelation, what does he do? When he addresses the churches continually, what does he he write? When he writes to the churches, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the sinners in Colossae? No, it says to the saints. To the saints in Colossae. To the faithful in Colossae. Even when he writes to churches that are like, Jacking up things and sinning and doing stupid things. Even to them, he's starting off the letter with to the saints. Why? Because he doesn't address the old self. He addresses the new. That's who we are. The saints are not just a football team. The saints are not an institutional leadership hierarchy for dead people that are, that are part of the Catholic Church. The saints is every true, born again, washed by the blood of Jesus' believer. Say, I'm a saint. I'm a saint. I'm actually curious how the saints are doing right now. They're playing right now. I hope they win. Drew Brees is playing really well this year. Some of you might get uncomfortable saying, I am righteous. I can't say that. Do you know how... Aware I am of my failures. Do you know how how much I mess up? Do you know how much I read this word and then I try to apply it, but I end up failing? So many times I fail. I can't say I am righteous. I'm not righteous. And if I say I'm righteous, doesn't that make me self-righteous? Doesn't that make me full of spiritual pride? Is that even an accurate biblical statement? I am righteous. Well, let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says he who had no sin became sin for us. So that in him, who is him? We're talking about Jesus. In Jesus, we have become the righteousness of God. It doesn't say you will become or you are being made into the righteousness of God. It says you have become. It's a done deal. He is the Alpha and the Omega. And Jesus looks from where he's at and he says, it's done. You need to get with the truth. It's done. You know, you got to read the Bible. Uh, You know, I'm studying Greek. And the Greek language is is really beautiful. Uh, There's a lot of English words come from the Greek. But the Greek language is so beautiful. It is truly, I believe, a God-ordained language. Because English doesn't have inflections in the noun and verb. Well, some of the verbs do. But not many nouns are inflected. Inflected means there's different forms for plural, singular, feminine, masculine, neutered. Anyway, stay with me, right? But the Greek, everything's inflected, and the word order in Greek does not matter, and so it matters. A lot of times people say in Greek the word order doesn't matter. Like a noun can appear before the verb, the verb can appear before the noun, but you can all figure it out because all the nouns are inflected. So you can know which ones match up with what, and so you know exactly what the author is trying to say. And so the word order doesn't matter. But because it doesn't matter, it matters. Did you know that? <laughs> It's an awesome truth. It's an awesome truth. It makes me want to go through the whole Bible in Greek to just see what the emphasis truly is. Because the author, at times, he will put the word order in the English. You know, subject always comes before the, uh, the, 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 the predicate, right? Subject, verb, predicate. Come on, Hagwon teachers, right? But in the Greek, you can mix it all up. You can put it anywhere. And what the author will do is sometimes he'll put the predicate, he'll put the object before the subject. Why? To emphasize something different. And Greek is a powerful. I believe a God ordained language. And why did I mention that? It's because I'm living breathing Greek. I can't think anything else. <laughs> why, am I, why did I mention that? Yes. In the, it is in the past tense. We have become the righteousness of God. We are the righteousness of God. That means it's a done deal. It's yours. It is who you are. So you can say, I am righteous. And you don't have to fear that you're in spiritual pride. Now, if you're before religious people or people that are not used to this revelation, and you say, I am righteous, I am righteous. Or you might offend them. And you might come off a little prideful. So be careful how you communicate. But when you speak within a community like this, that understands this revelation, when you are speaking about yourself, when you are praying before God, understand that you are righteous in Christ. You, don't, you can be bold about it. I am a saint. I'm holy. I'm righteous. Because the blood of Jesus is not theoretical, folks. It is real. It is a legal, judicial reality. That a lot of Christians fail to experience. They fail to bring it from the legal realm into the experiential realm. That's like getting a court verdict and still sleeping in your prison cell. Let's say a court, a a judge says, not guilty. You are free. All charges against you have been dropped. And then you go, all right, I understand that. Thank you, judge. Do you understand that young man? Yes, I do, judge. And then you walk right back to the prison cell. That's what a lot of Christians do. Because they understand the legal terms. But they fail to experience it. We are righteous. And, you know, I think religion gives us a lot of these different negative mantras that, you know, kind of keeps us very, you know, oppressed. But it's also people in, in our lives also tend to speak negative words over our lives. It could be your parents. It could be your friends. I mean, i growing grown up in Philly. Man, all my friends, man, they used to call me all kinds of things and negative words everywhere. You know, and uh, a lot of us, we grow up. And those negative words were only said once that day or it was said 100 times during that year. But it continues to replay in your mind over and over again. In fact, your mama could have just said something careless one day. Oh my, I can't believe you messed that up. Can you do anything right? And she said that once. She was actually a good mama. That was the only one time she carelessly slipped up. But those words from that day, they replay in some people's heads. Over and over and over and over again. Here's, here's Here's some revelation for you. The Bible says... He is like a tree planted by streams of water. He who meditates on the law of God day and night, he who meditates on the word of God is like a tree planted by streams of living water. Does not say he who meditates on the negative words of his parents is like a tree st- <laughs> planted by streams of living water. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say he who meditates on the words, the negative words of his friends. But that's what some of us do as Christians. We meditate on all these negative words. We it's like it's like a radio station. You know what I mean? That we try to tune out of, but we always come back. D 101.5. You know what that D stands for? It stands for the devil. It stands for the deception. But we keep going back to that station and listening to those negative words over and over again. Brothers and sisters, today we need to make a decision. Let's change the frequency. Let's tune into a different radio station. You know what I'm saying? Turn into like J101, 104.5. Turn, tune into power 99. You know what I'm saying? Turn into a different radio. You need to get in tune with the frequency of the Holy Spirit. You get in tune with the frequency of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to hear those negative words being replayed over and over again. What are you going to hear? You're going to hear the Word of God. Holy Spirit's going to awaken this from your memory. And he's going to repeat it and whisper it to you over and over. That's what we need to meditate on. And here's the thing. When we meditate on some of these negative words, what ends up happening, especially in our Western modernized culture, we tend to say it out loud. And so, you know, we, we you, know, some, you know, back in the day, remember in high school, you know, everyone's insecure. Middle school, high school, you know, and. If, you, if, you're, if you're a guy and you're playing sports and there's girls that are gathered around and somebody's like, yeah, go out for a football pass. You go out and you're determined to catch that pass. Good. If you drop it, you know, everyone's thinking. You know? And so, you know, if somebody throws you the football and this never happened to me, by the way. But, you know, the football comes and normally you catch that John, But that... Well, that day, for whatever reason, you get nervous and you know that some of the girls are watching. And so you try to catch the ball, but the ball hits you right in the face. And there's a big red mark starting to show up. And you're going, oh, I'm such a loser. Why can't I catch the ball? Uh, man, I got butter fingers. Why, how come I'm not athletic? You know, and you start to say these things out loud. If you if you have insecurities, you know, if you don't have insecurities, you know, you just kind of get back up and say, oh, what happened? There's a red mark on your face. You're like, it's all good. It's all good. You know, if you're secure, you get out with the red mark on your face. But if you're insecure, you speak out the mantras that are playing in your head. Why was I? I, I maybe I should. How? I, They're so negative, I don't want to say it. (laughs) And brothers and sisters, we do this in many areas of our lives. Man, I am so broke. I am so poor. You know, that's the mantra of my life. I grew up most of my life saying, man, I am so poor. I'm so kanane. You know, I'm never going to enjoy good things on this earth. I'm just so poor. You know, or other people will say, uh, you know, when I was growing up, I got sick once in sixth grade. And all my uncles and aunts and cousins, they started saying, Christian Christian gets easily sick. It's a common thing in Korean culture. I got sick one time. And for the rest of my life, they said, "Uh, Ah, you know, His body is weak. I got sick one time. Constantly saying, yeah, yeah, you know, his stomach's weak. And so what happens? As young people, we believe it. And so we start taking the nasty hanyak that's actually making it worse. And we start taking all these crazy vitamins that the, le- the Ajumas are latest craze, the latest craze on vitamins or KM, this nasty drink that they used to have or Amway or whatever, right? Like Korean parents, they have a nasty habit of doing that. And we need to understand that we can't come in agreement with it. Just because you got sick once does not mean that you're going to be sick for the rest of your life. What kind of mentality is that? The only people that are benefiting from that mentality are all the yakuks and the Hadi ones in this country. Or all the hospitals. You know, the hospitals in this country are better than some hotels in this country. You know what I mean? In, in Korea... You go to Severance Hospital, man. It is like a five-star hotel. <laughs> it is nice. If I ever get sick, I'm never gonna get sick. I would want to go to Severance Hospital. You know what I mean? Only people making money and be- being b- benefiting from all those different statements you make about yourself are these hospitals and yakuks. You know what I'm saying? I need to see some yakuks start shutting down because the people of God start to believe. The word of God and stop speaking negative words and start speaking some positive words over themselves. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 101, uh, verse 3, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. You know, sometimes when negative words come out, man, I'm such a loser, I'm so stupid. You know, you do bad on the exam. I'm so stupid. I can't believe I got that wrong. Man, I stink at driving. Man, I, I you know, there's so many different, like, negative things we say. And when those negative words come, we got to pray, Psalm 104, verse 3. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I mean, how many of us would ever go up to somebody else and say, you know what? You're such a loser. You're such a failure. Can you do anything right? Well, I mean, how many of us will go up to somebody and just straight up say that? I mean, unless you want to fight, right? <laughs> but why do we do it to ourselves? You know, if it's so nasty and if it's such a mean thing to say to others, why, why do we do it to ourselves all the time? We need to learn how to break out of, we need to learn how to stop the negative words that flow a lot of times out of our own mouths. You know, in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah calls, um, God calls Jeremiah in chapter 1. Uh, you, can, you can turn there if, you, if you're quick. To turn to Jeremiah in chapter 1. And God says, I'm going to do all these things through you. I'm calling you. I'm sending you, Right? Verses 4 to 8. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah 1 verse 4 through 8. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And then I said, this is Jeremiah. Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak. For I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a youth. Do not say, I am a loser. Do not say, I am a failure. Do not say, I can never do anything right. Do not say, I'm full of rebellion. Do not say, I ain't going nowhere with my life. I'm never going to get married. Whenever these types of negative words come out, God says, do not say it. We need to learn how to put a stop. On this flow of negative words that we, most of the times it's an idle word. We don't meditate on it and then think, oh, yeah, let me speak it, this negative word. Let me speak it now. I mean, it just, it's an idle word. It's a careless word, and we need to learn how to put a stop to it. You know, a popular preacher said, don't merely use your words to describe your situation. Use your words to change your situation. With our words, we can prophesy our own future. You know, a lot of times, a lot of the words, that, the words that come out of our mouths, they are self-fulfilling prophecies. It's flu season. I always get sick. I always get the flu. I'm going to get the flu this year. <laughs> Next week, you get the flu. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm so, you know, I, have, I don't look good. I'm not attractive. I'm not funny. Nobody likes me. I'm. I. I ain't gonna get married this year. Nobody wants to marry me. What happens? You don't get married. You know, come, Pastor Christian, come pray for me. I need to get married. You know. Well, you need to stop saying those negative words over yourself. The more you say, nobody wants to hang out with me. I'm such a loser. You know. You know. I see it every week here after after church service. When the church service ends, right, people who have been at our church for, like, years, for a long time, once the church service ends, they stand there full of insecurity. They go, I hope somebody comes talks to me. I hope people don't ignore me. I hope when I walk over to grab a banana, somebody will talk to me. Oh, that group of people are going to eat dinner. I hope somebody invites me. (laughs) Nobody likes me. I'm like, man, how long have you been at our church? If you see people going to dinner, invite yourself. Or, Or or tell them, I don't like shabu shabu. Let's go get some meat. Let's get some carby. Let's go get some Italian. (laughs) Don't do it too strong or they might really not like you. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, I see people still struggling with that. You know, and, and we need to learn how to put a stop to negative words. And we need to learn how to speak words that are in agreement with the word of God. I I'm don't not, I'm talk about anything else but simply yourself. Speak words over yourself that are in, in agreement with the word of God. That are in agreement with your true identity in Christ. Stop saying I'm unattractive. I'm not funny. I'm boring. I'm plain Jane. Stop saying those words. And say, I am am good looking. I am gorgeous. I am beautiful. I make people laugh. People want to hang out with me. People like me. People don't just love me because they're Christian. They like me. They phileo me. People have Philadelphia love toward me. They like me. You know, we need to start saying words that are in agreement with the word of God. I am blessed. I am a child of the Most High God. I know who I am. I'm coming to this dinner. (laughs) You You know, even the most meanest people, you know, they can't really... It kicks somebody out, you know, if if the person really doesn't get it. You know what I mean? And so sometimes I'm not telling you to be like thick headed like that, but I'm just saying be confident. Be confident. You know, I'm highly favored. I got the favor of God all over me. I am favored. Even if everything's going against you, even if at work your boss is against you, your coworkers are talking smack about you, your family is slandering you, telling you you're part of a cult or something like that. Like, that would ever happen to you? All kinds of things, right? I don't care what is going on around you. It can't touch your identity. Because your identity was established by the work of Christ. The great I am has made you who you are. And it's permanent. It's everlasting. Your circumstances cannot move you from who you really are. So I'm not really actually promoting positive thinking here. Now, meditating on good things is important. The Bible says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is animal, anything that's excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We do need to meditate on the word of God. We need to meditate on good things, true things, noble things, right? It's important what we think about. But in regards to our growth, our maturity, our identity, positive thinking is not enough. We need to speak it out. We don't need just positive things. We need positive speaking. We need some positive speech to come forth from our mouths. And we need to say it over and over and over again. I'm not preaching positive thinking here today. I'm preaching the gospel. You know, the Bible says in Joel chapter 3 verse 10, Let the weak say, I am strong. Come on. Everybody say, let the weak say, I am strong. The Bible says, doesn't say, let the weak complain about their weakness. <laughs> let the weak get all depressed and hopeless about how weak they are. Let the weak call up their friends and tell them how weak, how, how weak they are. And then, and then their friends, console them, comfort them. The Bible says, no, let the weak say, I am strong. I'm telling you right now, that's the gospel. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel of the kingdom. It's not seeing as believing. It's believing first and then manifesting that which you believe first. Believing is seeing in the kingdom of God. So you might be sick. You might have to make doctor's visits once a week. You might be taking all this medication. Doctors say, you know what? This disease, you're going to have it for the rest of your life. This medicine that costs you $200 a month, you're gonna to have to pay it for the rest of your life. And a lot of times we have so much more faith in what doctors say. And all doctors are doing is they're just describing the reality. But you see, we have access to truth. And the truth can always trump and change our realities. So when a doctor tells you, you gotta take this medicine for the rest of your life, you say, oh, Thank you for your diagnosis, but no thank you. I am strong. I am healthy. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit of God lives right inside of this physical body. My body going to be clean and strong and healthy, and I will catch that football before it hits my head. Let the weak say I am strong. You may feel like a loser. But you say I am able. <laughs> you say I am a champion. Now, you may it, it may feel fake to you. But I'm not I'm not encouraging you to speak fake words, but faith words. Do you guys understand the difference? The Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. You see every time you make These I am statements of faith that are in direct opposition to perhaps what you feel or your current level of maturity or your current character. When you speak these statements of faith, you're exercising faith. And the Bible says that when you exercise your faith, you're not just blessing yourself when you say, I am strong. I am blessed. I am a champion. You're not just blessing yourself. You're blessing the heart of God. You're pleasing God by exercising your faith. It is a good thing. Maybe you might have a pattern of being critical to people. You know, and you're just like, man, why am I always so critical? Why am I always so pessimistic? You know, New Yorkers, you know, why am I so cynical, skeptical, man? That's one of the plagues of being in New York. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's so cool that New Yorkers wear it like a badge. It's like a cool badge. I'm a New Yorker. Check it out. I'm cynical. I'm skeptical. I'm New York, baby. You know, I'm serious. That's the New York culture. That's the New York culture. And you might say, well, that's just the way I am. <laughs> or, or, or you know, if you're very frank and you're very honest and you're very upfront and you're very blunt, and people are like, can you stop doing that? You're like hurting, you just hurt myung feelings back there. Well, I was just being real. What, I can't speak the truth? And, and you're like... No, that's, that's not just speaking the truth. That's just hurtful. That's not loving. And you're just like, it's just the way I am. It's the way God created me. So deal with it. You know people like that? I used to be one of them. <laughs> I wear honestly like a badge and just be like, come on, deal with it, right? No, if that's, if that's you and that's your struggle, I'm, I encourage you right now. Say over yourself, I am compassionate. I am tactful. I am able to bring out the best in people. Speak words of faith. Speak words of life. When God came to Abraham, his name was actually Abram. And he said, Abram, I'm going to bless you. And you're going to be the father of many nations. And Abraham was like, Abraham was like 100 years old. God said, You're no, Your name is no longer Abram, it's Abraham, which means the father of many nations. And so before Abraham actually had his son Isaac, it was years and years and years of Abraham going around and saying, Hey, stop calling me Abram. My name is now Abraham. God renamed me. And people are like. Yeah, right. You're going to have children? You're going to have many, All oh, right, 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 many nations, right, stars in the sky? Sure, Abraham. <laughs> you know, and he had to, he probably had to deal with that stigma. Went around, you know, speaking these words of faith. Really, every time people called his name, he was hearing these words of destiny and faith. It's so funny. God named him Abraham before he had Isaac, not after. Why? Because God was tilling the soil of Abraham's heart for him to receive the promises of God. And that's what we need to do. Every time we speak out words that are in agreement with the word of God, I am blessed. I am the head and not the tail. You could be five figures, six figures broken in debt. But you say, I am the head and I am not the tail. I am blessed. When you do that, you're tilling the soil of your heart. You're making your heart ready. You're increasing your capacity to receive. You're increasing your capacity to receive his promises. That's what we got to do. When God came to Gideon, Gideon was just a wimp hiding out in the threshing floors. The angel of the Lord came to Gideon and said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon had probably never fought a day in his life. But the Lord... Call them a mighty warrior. Why? Did, why does? Why does God do things like that? Is it like? Is He mocking us? I know you're sick. I know you're sick, but I want you to say I am healthy. Watch this, angels. Watch this sucker down there. <laughs> say I am healthy, and then he's gonna die. <laughs> I am healthy, and he's gonna be sick for like the next twenty years. Was God mocking us? Look, at, tell, go, let's go tell that poor guy who's been poor all his life. I am rich. I am strong. Is God trying to mock Gideon? Is he trying to mock Abraham? No, brothers and sisters. God is simply preparing Gideon to be the mighty warrior that he is. It's just that Gideon doesn't understand he is a mighty warrior. God does. So the Bible actually tells us in Romans chapter 4, verse 17. This is a powerful verse. If you ever get to memorize it, you should. Especially in the NIV. NIV translates this very powerfully. It says, The God who gives life to the dead, the God who calls things that are not as though they were. Do you guys know we serve the God who calls things that are not as though they were? Your life is full of sin and failures, wicked things. You're struggling still with sexual impurity. You're struggling with all these sins and God comes to you and says, you're righteous. You have become righteous. You are righteous. You are a saint. You are a child of the most high. You are holy and pure. Your sins are like scarlet, but they're like, they're washed as white as snow. It's already a done deal. God calls things that are not as though they were. And if that's what God does, that's what we as his people need to start doing. We need to call things that are not as though they really are or, or though they really were. In the Gospels, we have the woman with the issues, uh, issue of blood. She had menstrual bleeding for many, many years. The Bible says she spent all of her savings, all of our money to visit doctors and get better. But she didn't get better. It got worse. And this woman, she creeps through the crowd, pushes her way through the crowd and and the Bible the gospel actually says she was saying something to herself over and over again. Do you know what she was saying? She wasn't saying, "I'm sick. I spent everything I had, and I'm going to continue to remain sick and I'll probably never get better." Did she say that? No. She said to herself, "Here comes Jesus. I know I spent everything I had on medicine and didn't get better, I got worse." But if all I can do is reach out and touch the hem of his robe, I will be healed. I will be better. And she started to speak these words of faith. Her body, her physical body was so prepared for the healing power of God. Jesus didn't have to stop. Jesus didn't have to go, you are healed. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus didn't have to touch her. All she did was touch Jesus. And the Bible says healing virtue, healing power flowed into her body, and instantly she was made well. See, these words of faith, it prepares the heart to receive the miracles of God, to receive the promises of God. And we got to be like this woman of the issue of blood. We got to learn how to say, I am strong, even though you feel weak. You know, in the ESV of Joel 3.10, it actually says, let the weak say, I am a warrior. I like both. Isn't that cool? Let the weak say, I am a warrior. Come on. That's New Philly language right there. Hallelujah. For verses like this, I'm convinced the ESV has been ordained for New Philly. (laughs) Although other times I don't like it so much. You know, we right now in the in the uh, in the NFL champion in the NFL uh, playoffs, there's a team called the Green Bay Packers. And the quarterback for this team that they won the Super Bowl last year is a guy named Aaron Rodgers. Okay? You have to understand something about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers was the bench warmer for another great quarterback called Brett Farr. Aaron Rodgers, when he was the understudy the bench warmer for Brett Farr, he never knew if he would ever get a shot to start. But he prepared himself like that. I'm telling you right now, we used to have a bench warmer on the Philadelphia Eagles. His name was Kevin Cobb. And we thought he had the championship mentality. But we fans, after we saw him play a few times, although he did well, we saw that he didn't have the championship mentality. He had like this performance mentality. He didn't have the championship mentality. He had a performance mentality. So we traded him to the Arizona Cardinals. And the Cardinals started him as the uh, Kevin Cobb as the as their starting quarterback this year, and he just flopped. He did terrible. But if you see Michael Vick, Michael Vick has got the championship mentality. Let me tell you that right now. Okay, all right. Even though we had a losing season, we make it to playoffs. You should have seen what he said at the press conference on on Monday. On Monday, he's he's got the heart and the mind of a champion. That's why I like Michael Vick. But here's another person who has who has a championship mindset. No. Shut up. I'll break that. I'll break that off! Uh, Eli Manning is the uh, quarterback for the New York Giants. Don't disturb my sermon, all right? Kick you. Uh, you know who has a championship mentality? It's Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, right? Last year, the Green Bay Packers... They won the Super Bowl, but if you study their story, they barely made it into the playoffs. They made it because some other teams lost, and they happened to have a winning record in these areas. And so they barely got into the wild card round, but they went on to win the Super Bowl championship. And here's the thing. Here's the cool thing. Every time Aaron Rodgers, it was his first season starting the whole season last, the last year when they won the Super Bowl, right? Every time he, he, made, a, he made a touchdown, you know what he would do? He would put on, he would do this. Maybe not as, like, arrogantly, but every time he make a touchdown, he'll just come out and do this. You know what what he's doing? He's referring to professional wrestling, all right? Come on, everybody, all the Americans, we know what we're talking about here. WWF before it was WWA, right? We all know about Ultimate Warrior, Macho Man, Hulk Hogan. And back in the day, when you defeated everybody, you got the championship belt. And it, was, it wasn't it was really a belt. You didn't really want to wear it because it's so big and clunky and heavy. You don't really want to wear it, but it's, it's this big belt. And Aaron Rodgers, even though he was under the shadow of Brett Favre for all these many years, he saw himself as a champion before he won the championship. Before he got the Super Bowl ring, he was putting on that championship belt every time he made a touchdown. Y'all know what I mean? we can learn a thing or two from Brett, um, from Aaron Rodgers the bible says put on the belt buckle of truth the devil comes to lie to us but the bible says stand firm against the devil put on the full armor of god which includes the belt buckle of truth let me spit truth to you you are a champion i am a champion Every time the devil says you're a loser, you're never going to defeat this sin. You'll never be victorious over this area of your life. You're always going to be this crazy road rage driver. You're you're never going to be a good pastor. You're never going to be a good preacher. You say, shut up, devil. Look at my championship belt, punk. You put that joint on. And you say, I am a warrior. You put the devil in his place. You know, when, when I was uh, getting staff training with Campus Crusade back about eight years ago, I, I, we, I, we had a class of 12 people. We were all getting staff training for college ministry. And I was living out in California. And there was another New Yorker that went with me. His name was Bobby O. Uh, me and Bobby, you know, we, we went to the same school at NYU. NYU. And he's a true New Yorker. He used to be a, a former gangster. And he has this nasty, like, like uh, switchblade mark. Switchblade. Uh, uh, it's not a stab. It's like a cut. It's like a stab and a cut that went all the way down his leg. I mean, he's, he's a real deal, right? But, you know, he's like, he became a Christian. And he toned down. And he's a, he became a minister of the gospel. But, you know, he still had New York in him. And, uh, you know, I lived in Philly. And uh, I lived in New York. So, you know. You know, we just be real. And sometimes being real meant we we were honest, and we spoke our minds, or even when we shouldn't have. And so, you know, we're surrounded by all these California people that are much more laid back. California people mad laid back, like mad chill. Like Southern Cal, I'm not even talking about North Cal. North Cal, you you guys are on it. But South Cal, you guys are just like, chill. Like, (laughs) If this is Southern California, this is like... No, this is Northern California. Uh, this is New York and Korea, right? This is Northern California. This is like so- Southern California. They're like, they're like Malay back. And so Bobby and I, we used to just, we just speak our minds because we thought it was fascinating seeing the California responses. And so, yeah, you know, we made all these different sisters in our class cry, you know, first month. We're going up to them, apologizing, I'm sorry, all this stuff. And so we got in a habit. And it was really out of sarcasm. We started calling each other gentle. We'd be like, hey, gentle. Hey, gentle. What's up, gentle? You been gentle today, gentle? And so we were just sarcastically calling each other gentle because we knew how ungentle we were. But somewhere along that line, I started flipping that around. I took it from sarcasm, and I started to receive it by faith. So when Bobby would mock me and say, hey, gentle, you know, email me, call me. What's up, gentle? I'd be like, yes, I am. (laughs) Let me tell you something right now. God's not done with me yet. But I am way more gentle than I used to be back in 2003. I mean, you wouldn't want me to be the pastor of your church if you still had me back in 2003. And I've come a long way. And even, even from last week's message, you know, or two weeks ago, in you know, the Prince of Peace, you know. Man, after I preached that message, man, road rage got worse. So every time, hey, don't, don't nod your head, Emily. All right, you can't do that. That's something you don't want to say amen to, okay. All right, it got worse. And, and, but I kept saying, I have the Prince of Peace. I have the Prince of Peace with me. Crazy Ajuma, may the Prince of Peace get you. Prince of Peace, Prince of Peace, I have the Prince of Peace, and that was good because I understood who I am with, who I am in the presence of, the Prince of Peace. But you know what I need to really do? I just need to say, I am a peacemaker. I'm not. Just, I just, I, I'm not just peaceful. I am a peacemaker. And I just whenever rage comes I just need to say I am a peacemaker. And I might feel stupid because I'm I'm a peacemaker. <laughs> <laughs> and I might I might feel something totally different, but I'm telling you right now. The more I speak those words, they're going to you know cuz those words they don't travel very far. They just come right back into your ears, you know? And then they drop down into your spirit and then begins to transform you cuz those words are alive cuz they're spoken out in faith. Holy Spirit breathes on those words. And indeed, you change from glory to glory. Brothers and sisters, we need to stop speaking the negative words. And start speaking words of life. Words of identity. Words that are in agreement with the word of God. We serve the great I am. So we need to understand who we are in him. So stop saying, I'm a loser. I'm a sinner. I'm a failure. I'm mediocre. I'm unattractive. Those are not the words or the confessions of a prince, of a son of the most high God. You are blessed to say all the I am statements that the Bible says you are in Christ. Because the great I am paid that price on the cross to establish you as his people. So let's speak forth. Let's claim all the idle words. We are, Say, I am, I am the head and not the tail. Not the tail. I am blessed. I am anointed. I am a miracle worker. I am filled with wisdom. I am strong. And I am a warrior. All right, let's pray. Let's have the praise team come up. We'll close with this last song. Hallelujah. I see the sons and daughters of God today putting on their championship belts. I see people that are tuning out of one frequency and tuning in to the frequency of the Holy Spirit. You have to understand that our God is a God of tremendous grace. The Bible says in Romans 8.26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness even when we don't know what to pray for, the spirit himself intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You might say, this is a praying church, but I don't know how to pray. I'm not a prayer warrior. There's so many prayer warriors at New Philly, but I feel so left out because I don't know how to pray. I open my mouth and I, 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 thank you for this food. That's all that comes out. I'll telling you right now, if that's where you're at. Just say, I am filled with the Spirit of God. I am strong. I am a prayer warrior. Just speak that out. And I'm telling you right now, the Spirit of God helps us in our weakness. And that's why the gift of tongues is like sometimes so powerful. But even when you don't know what to pray for, all you do is just use your gift. And you say your da-da-das and la-la-las and shanda And as you speak and you pray in tongues... The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is actually interceding through us, interceding for us, according to the will of God. God is a God of abundant grace and help in our weakness. The kingdom of God is all about strength. You don't ever have to say, I'm a loser, I'm a weak, ever in your life. Because you have the great I am residing with you. Let's all stand to our feet and let's just worship the great I am. Let's worship him.